Welcome to Trailblazing Entrepreneurs, the new podcast series from Salesforce App Exchange. In this series, we chat to world-class entrepreneurs and founders and explore the journey as well as share practical insight and tips to build successful businesses. I'm your host, Sandra Peño, Director of the ISV Business at Salesforce. And in today's episode, I'm joined by Timo Olkola, the CEO and co-founder of Flowhaven. Flowhaven is a cloud-based branding licensing solution based out of Finland. So Timo, thank you so, so much for joining us today for our second episode in this new podcast series. How are you? Good, and thank you. This is great to be here. Yeah, I'm feeling fantastic. It's, uh, you know, summer day, uh, getting warmer every day here in Helsinki, Finland. And, you know, it's just uh, overall nice that the sunny days are here. Absolutely. I remember when I used to live in Finland, actually, I don't know if I told you the story, but I used to live in Finland. Uh, I got seconded from part of a job I was sort of working in. And I absolutely loved my time in Finland. It was great. I'm not so sure I enjoyed the uh, long winter when it was about <laughs> sort of light for a couple of hours during the day. But actually, the time overall was uh, fantastic. So Flowhaven is now sort of four years old. Mm. So I'm really curious to see how you got started. Um Back beginning of 2016, I was working on uh, retail world and on that part. And I was especially working with entertainment brands. And um, I knew back in my university study days, a um, good friend of mine called Kale Terma. And he used to actually uh, study with me in the same university, economics. And at the time, in beginning of 2016, he was working with a company called Rovia Entertainment, which is a company that launched this awesome game called Angry Birds, if you know. If you, if you remember the mobile of game. course we both were huge fans of different entertainment whether it was like movies you know tv series anime gaming you name it but for us you know when i was working retail and Kalle was working with the angry birds actually on the brand side we started to see that there was a lot of like miscommunication between different brands you know when their products were coming to retail they might not have been on time or for example you know sometimes the launches of different brands different movies different series was not planned almost at all and that's when i started to realize and i call it too that there is something that operationally is not working here and Kalle was you know he had a fantastic idea where he wanted to partner actually with salesforce to fix this issue and create a great way for different brands to communicate with retailers and these product manufacturers on the licensed products. So that's kind of where we got started. And yeah, then we took a leap of faith and started our company. And it was pretty crazy because Like you said, we are originally from Finland, so Finland is not really known to be an entertainment mecca. It was very different if you would have been, you know, uh, born and live in L.A. or even in London or Tokyo. But, you know, in Finland, basically we're like, if you know Game of Thrones, we're the, you know, land beyond the wall. So there's, you know, feeling a little bit like wildlings. For us still, we felt so passionate about the industry and these brands that we were fans of that we felt that, you know, There's a lot of people like us who wanted to get more quality products, who wanted to get better experiences. And this is something why we felt that it's really essential that we create this flow haven and help these companies to achieve that. That's really, really interesting. I guess thinking about the beginnings, did you have this challenge of the blank sheet of paper when you look at it and say, okay, what technology do I need to use to sort of build my business on? Or at what point did that decision sort of come into your mind to decide which is the best platform to go and build on? 
So yeah, definitely, that's a huge decision in Norway. You know, do you do something on your own? Do you you know partner with a platform provider that has already has an ecosystem in place? For us, it was really all about scalability. It was something that we wanted to focus or our efforts and time on exactly, you know, achieving that goal of, you know, helping these companies to be better at creating awesome experiences for fans. And we felt that everything else around that goal, it's great if somebody, we have somebody who is doing that for us. And that's when we decided to go with a platform provider. And for us, like we had few things that was extremely important for us. So one was security. So especially working with different brands around the world, they own their IPs and their value comes from that intellectual property they own. So it's really important that data security is there and it's a top notch. The second one, like I said before, is scalability. So that like, as an entrepreneur, you're not looking only like, hey, what is this gonna be after one year? You know, you have that vision that, okay, what if this flies? What is gonna be after five years? What is gonna be after 10 years, maybe 20 years? Uh, and that was really important for us to kind of look at a partner on the platform provider that is, you know, looking at their business, that it's all about scalability. Certainly, I think I would say that's a fairly common theme that we hear from mm. entrepreneurs about the importance of that those those decision. And I think you use the word scalability and forward looking. And I think, again, that's really, really important. Mm. I was looking at um, you secure some fantastic sort of funding in, in 2019. Mm. So just tell me a little bit about the journey. I'm, I'm really interesting to understand sort of a couple of things is how did you secure it? How, you know, how hard was this? For, for us, when we started the company, our overall idea was that before we go basically, you know, asking any money or anything like that, let's build a foundation. Let's make sure that we have a real business case. We have proven results that we can go and ask. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, sometimes I think that's something that many startups should do more. You know, we started bootstrapping, meaning that we actually went straight away, started to sell to basically international industry. I still remember that like after a few months after founding Flowhaven, uh, we had a big expo in Las Vegas called Licensing Expo. And basically we just took flights there with our own money. You know, we actually just attended, tried to sell everyone, asked like, hey, would you see like this would be useful to you? And we got great feedback. We found a couple of partners uh, or a couple of customers who were ready to kind of experience it. And we were able to kind of bootstrap for the first years before starting the growth. But definitely, it takes a lot of time to get the first customers. So that was really important for us to kind of build it that way. But once the foundation was there, as we had multiple clients internationally, that's when we went and started to kind of get more investment money. And the idea of it is not just like, yeah, I want to have money, but it was something that we noticed that in order to grow for international markets, you need capital. Uh, in order to achieve the kind of next level of flow haven that we wanted to achieve, we needed capital. And plus we needed those networks. We needed that guidance that came with it. So yeah, we did a little kind of a more traditional way of, of doing things first on our own and and then once we felt that we were ready to grow, then we went to the uh, VCs. What was the next sort of level of funding like? Where did you go to secure that? It, it, it's a long process in overall. So you have to make sure that 
you're not like said before you're not only looking for funding you're also looking for the kind of next experts to grow your business they're not going to do the work for you but they're going to give you focus and guidance and you know for us it really started is that a with me and Kalle who was the other co-founder in the company with me you know we started thinking about okay who is doing this who will gather the money because like it's going to take time it's going to take time to find the right persons right VCs that have those things that we are looking for and are interested of us of course so, so we decided so that actually Kalle was only focused on fundraising when it became more relevant and I continued to keep the business operating as normal because one of the key things where a lot of the companies don't necessarily understand to do is that they might start gathering funding but they kind of stop the business growth and and that's really important to keep the business growing at the same time you're gathering the funding and then it's really just going through different VCs trying to align that what are we looking for what do we want what kind of persons do we want to align ourselves with what are the portfolios that these VCs have that they're trying to achieve certain things and for us we are a B2B enterprise SaaS company and so naturally we started to look those and also of course we started to look that did some VCs have also like entertainment interest and kind of media entertainment section previous portfolio companies that they've invested into then it's just hard pitching when you find and you try to just get them to the table with you and you try to pitch your idea and yes you gotta do that all the time and one really relevant tip I can share is that Keep the relationships open always. So even when you're not gathering funding, it's great to uh, keep the relationships, you know, do the first intro and then return to the table once you, you know, it's time to gather the funding. If you're thinking that you're going to get funding on your first date, it's probably not going to happen. So so you need a couple of more dates to kind of lean in so that they're more familiar with you, your team, your product. I think for me, like these people are super smart. That's why they are in these VCs. They understand when they see what they want. So it's just more important to be honest, authentic, and show that how much passion you have towards what you're doing and that you have a great team around you that is able to achieve those results. I like the fact that you divided the two, you know, between yourself continuing to do sort of run the business and then Kale sort of solely focusing on finding the funding. Was getting meetings with a VC, was that easy? You know, how, how did you get to that point how did you sort of a get to speak to them and, and then to your point you know how did you assess you know what would be a good cultural fit for you yeah well i think that's all sa- it's sales game so you got to use everything necessary to get to the right table and that's part of the test of course yeah definitely you got to look look at those like what you've chosen from the list what you want to attract and tell them why you chose them it's really important to tell them that hey i have chosen that i want to talk with you because i've seen this this is this, this and then also of course you have to utilize as much as your own networks to get introductions to the right tables uh, since you know everybody's trying to get to the same tables it's important that you can show that you have a trusted source who is willing to intro you there one key thing is always look from your main markets where you want to grow because th- those VCs have the networks they have the understanding of that market so it's fantastic that on those areas where you want to grow uh, that's where you're looking for investors yeah that makes sense I guess you, you need to not 
not only look at the today's, but the future and how those VCs can sort of introduce you to sort of some, you know, how they can help you to get to those new markets. And Exactly, Sandra. And for us, not only US, but we partnered, uh, or I, I have to say that, you know, Global Founders Capital partnered with us. <laughs> so that, that was really fantastic for us that since they invested into us, since that was a very global, they are all around the world. And that was really important for us. You know, the licensing industry is not only US. Yes, US is a big part of it, but there is a uh, massive hubs around the world and fans around the world for all of these brands. So that's something that we were very keen of achieving. And just talk to me about your, your first pitch. How, how did you know you had the right pitch for them? You know, first pitches are always a little bit catastrophic, I guess. <laughs> so, but I, I think we did our best we could. So let's put it like this: the good thing about investors always they give very straightforward feedback to you, very honest feedback, because they are also there to help. You know, they're trying to find good companies, and the better companies are communicating about themselves, the better for them and saves time for them. Uh, they're trying to find good products and awesome teams to invest into. So, you know, of course, that helps also them if the pitches are good. Like I said, it's all about the team, all about that you clearly understand the value propositions that your product brings to your customers. I think like something that every day I come back to more and more is value propositions. Yeah, it's super interesting. And um, in our previous podcast, uh, we created a new test and I'll, and I'll give you a little sneak peek into it. So we had, uh, so my mother, right? She doesn't know what I do. She doesn't have got a clue what I do. But we, we talked about, you know, the value of simplicity and to be able to clearly articulate what you do uh, in few words and uh, so you just talked about the value proposition so maybe I should sort of get you to pitch to my mother and she gets it I think you're good uh, if you get it Timo you're good because it's uh, we call it uh, Sandra's mother's test that's a new one that's a fantastic test objectively if somebody's not understanding what we do then you should go like okay I've got to rethink my pitch I got to rethink my value proposition yeah sure and and maybe just um did you already know which, who those first customer will be just talk to me a little bit about you know where did you find those customers we we knocked every door we, we sure we had an idea sure we you want to start with these cool companies as possible you know I said me and Gallipo we were huge fans of different brands and entertainment companies and it would be a dream to work with them you know but back then we just started we didn't have an actual product yet so it was more like just under Understanding that, hey, you know, is there a need in the industry for this? And once we established that, we understood that, okay, you know, are you interested in doing this? Probably we talked to 300 companies before actually getting kind of few companies on board. So, yeah, it took a lot of no's. Uh, a lot of like, hey, this sounds great, but it's not for us. Or like guys, like few more years, come back to us with proven results, and then we can do something. So I really got to credit those few early adopters that were, you know, started with us in the beginning, because that was something that it's a risk. It's a big risk to join something that is just have the MVP product ready or just, you know, a vision there. So... And what do you think was that? Is that because, you know, you were two super cool guys, you know, with a super positivity, with a great Finnish accent? Or do you think that was just because you sort of hit it on something? You know, what do you think that made the difference? Could could you bottle it? Could you sell it? Some, you know, that idea? <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. You have to have a clear plan. You have to have a clear idea where you want to head. Uh, for us, it was all about operational excellence in uh, licensing. I think a lot of the people understood the same as we did. I think we just cracked the recipe for it and that was something that we wanted to share with the others so for example Kalle was the first one ever to map the operational workflow in licensing and he actually published in a thesis 
later than about it. And it's actually publicly available in the internet right now. We wanted to share that with everyone. And that was something that, based on our experience and, and, and working with the licensing products, we understood that full recipe. But it's still like you need the similar-minded people who understand the need and want to solve it. So you need these early adopters that really want to solve this with you and want to take the whole industry and their company to a uh, kind of a new, new generation, uh, new technology. That's that's fair. And uh, just uh, expanding on, on that a little bit. So you obviously have your your headquarters in in Finland, and then you have offices in in London and and in LA. What was the strategy behind your international expansions? Definitely, you have to plan. Um, For us, one of the key things were when we started to look going to international market, we understood that the whole industry itself, licensing industry, it's, you know, global, it's very international. Even in Finland, there are probably around 10 companies that are big enough to have this kind of a flow haven system. So definitely we understood that, yeah, if we are looking five to 10 years, Finland is not going to cut it. It's going to be a great place to start but definitely what we got to go beyond you know Scandinavia beyond Europe and to US and Asia for us how we look at it is that we wanted to find first customers before finding a new office new office is a big cost you know you have to find the office itself paying rents you know then people who work there so before doing that, we wanted to make sure that we have customers there who, who need that, who need that service. And, and basically, we can, of course, you know, fund also that new office. So for us, you know, U.S. is number one as a country industry for us. And L.A., of course, is kind of a mecca of uh, entertainment in the world. So most of the, our prospect companies were there. So it was very natural to get the like first, you know, out of Finland office there. Then in Europe, really the biggest uh, entertainment city. Uh, is London. So that was naturally for us. And in both places, we started to see that these were places where we started to get more and more customers. And then we realized that first where we invested wasn't actually salespeople. We invested to like customer success people, people who were serving our customers. And then you know we hired more salespeople. Like for us, sales is everything, yes. But we believe that customer success is the key to for a modern company to become a real powerhouse because there's so many products out there. There are so many companies out there. The ones who can really nail down customer service and provide, you know, really great product for their customers, they're going to be the winners. Super interesting to hear how you decided customer success. And I'm, I think it's certainly paying off because you guys have been doing sort of uh, super well. Would you do something different? You know, when you look back now and say you've done it for like four years, would you look at it differently? Ah, uh, yes, so many things. Uh, <laughs> but like for me, this was my first company as an entrepreneur. So yeah, there are many things that I know that if I would have known, I would have done much faster. So a lot, of, a lot of the things you had to learn on your own. So one key thing, uh, if you're a first time entrepreneur, is that you have right network, you have great mentors around you who can provide, um, you know, that you can avoid those pitfalls. You're still going to make mistakes. That's just life. And how it goes when you try different things, you know, and especially when you're trying new things that nobody has ever done before in the world. Sure, there are going to be, you know, surprises. But like to avoid those basic things and to especially to give you focus, always find the persons, you know, who have done it before or at least have, you know, done similar things before. 
Did you have that or did you have to look for it? Yes and no. So we had some of the elements, but those change when the company grows and when they, things change. So all the time we're looking, you know, help from everywhere. And that's actually a great way where Salesforce has also helped us is actually finding a, you know, we're getting great help from them on certain things and those always change you know every year once you once the product grows and once the team grows you know for example now we have a global sales teams around the world and i have nowadays i my job is mostly looking at sales analytics and thinking about conversions and where we can do things better that was so different like two years ago when i was the only guy doing sales alone so things have you know drastically changed so i think also the advisors they do change so you know we had some of them in the beginning and we've been adding on uh, kind of all the time actually just switching gear a little bit i read something really interesting that caught my eyes today so i read an article that was called rent a fin for virtual happiness right <laughs> and it and it, <laughs> and it turns out that finland was voted the happiest country to be in the world for the third years in a row and that really got me to think about you know, what's really important to people about how they measure their happiness or their business mm. success. So I guess, question to you first, are you a very happy fiend? And <laughs> shall I rent you for happiness? <laughs> no, definitely. So me, both both me and Carla, and also, of course, people who are we're working with, of course, our employees, partners, but also our customers, all of them, there is a common theme that we are happy and very positive people. And this is definitely not just a nationality thing. So, so definitely it's, it's to do with like, I think certain people just are like magnets to certain types of people. So positivity and kindness, I think they go a very long way and attract, you know, good business people towards each other. On the, on the Finn side, I think I have to say this, like... It, for me, yes, I grew up in Finland. I love Finland in, in many ways. All the Nordic countries have a, you know, they're very stable countries on also on infrastructure. So, but I also think that there is a certain element you mentioned about the winter. I'm not sure would you call it stamina, but resilience like that, that comes with the winter and, and, and kind of tough times that you really enjoy once the summer comes. And also you really enjoy, you know, uh, taking the time to focus on somewhere, uh, you know, for example, working in an office or doing some passionate project for you, then, you know, because if you go outside, there's nothing to do. It's just dark and cold. <laughs> so, so, you know, that, that's, that's a real, really big theme. Uh, here, here in Finland through winter. I agree with you. I think, you know, we all need to be doing the things that we love. And, and I guess when you think about, you know, Flow Heaven, do you look uh, at those values and what's really important to you and how you would translate that into the business? Yeah, that is really important. And I think that's something that you come back to all the time, especially as an entrepreneur, because there's always the element that you have to be tough in many things. And, and sometimes you have to make decisions that you don't like and you don't want to do. But that's the part of being, you know, you have a responsibility towards your employees, towards your customers. But I think overall, kindness always wins. And sometimes being tough is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that you are not kind. Sometimes saying no actually is much kinder than saying yes. And that's something that being as an entrepreneur, I had to learn or, or you know, understand better when working with different opinions, different perspectives. And, you know, I think the biggest strength an entrepreneur can have is patience. <laughs> just being, being patient with everything of, of, you know, not just with people, but things, you know. Some things take time to do 
and develop, for example. And you, of course, you have that idea and you want to achieve it right now, but it takes time to build things. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think that that's really, really important. But the other point you mentioned, I think is so true, is that patience. You know, when I discuss and with some of my team about what we do, I always use the word marathon, right? Because it is a marathon we engage in because you need to be having that resilience that you need to be, uh, to be mm. able to persevere. Because at the end of the day, it's a marathon. And I agree with you, I think your advice to other people to say, actually, be prepared for the long haul. is super important because uh, I think sometimes we live in this society of there's that immediacy, isn't it? You know, we want things and we want it now, right? Mm. But I think actually, I feel like for me, you know, you have to be able to sustain that sort of length of a journey. And I think that's a really good quality mm. to have. I don't know whether that resonates with you at all. Yeah, exactly. I had one of my mentors uh, used to say, before starting company and also for the first years, he always used to remind me that, remember, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Like you have to also take time to relax, uh, charge your energy, because if you're always working and just working, you will lose focus, that patience will run out. So it's real, and that kindness will run out. So you cannot be authentic anymore. No, that, that, and that's fair. And you, you are in this super exciting phase of growth right now. But equally, you know, we, we're going through some really sort of turbulent times right now. Mm. And, and I think for me, when I look at the crisis um, before and, and, and the crisis we're in now, I think one of the things that becomes super clear is the importance of business continuity. I think this crisis has done a few things in my mind. One is, you know, accelerate some of the changes, some of the trends that we have seen before. And I think digitalization is, is certainly one of them. But what I think is also interesting is, it allows a lot of people to reevaluate how they do things and possibly change, you know, and adopt brand new sort of setup, actually, that probably are more efficient than what they do before. Did you find some of that with you? Yes, but I think that's more happened on our customer side and prospect side. So mm-hmm. we've never been busier. You know, our customers are very active right now, which I love. Also that, our, you know, we never grown this fast as we're doing currently. We're signing some of the biggest deals that I've ever seen with some of the biggest entertainment companies in the world. And for me, like the big change has been that it's coming from their side, really. Sure, we are doing ourselves, but the realization is coming from them that, hey, we got to talk. And I love that, that, you know, we used to knock doors for five years or four years before anything like this. Then we were trying like, no, you got to take care of your data. Like you got to have things in place and do it, do it, do it. And they were like, yeah, well, this is not a priority for us. And then suddenly these kind of type of things, yeah, they definitely wake up people to realize that, wow, okay, you know, this cannot happen again. We got to be, be more prepared. We got to make, you know, very fundamental changes in how we operate daily. But still, like, I hate that this situation happened. If, if we look at the silver lining here, you know, it's great that, you know, like you said, Sandra, that a lot of these companies have had time to reevaluate, like how to kind of, you know, how to operate today and in future. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's, it's been a time of reflection. And just finishing on a couple of tips you would give to entrepreneur when they're starting their journey. Mm. Uh, what were you sort of the top three things you would say to them? Um, I think like number one, what we discussed already is that always remember it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's going to take longer than you expected. It. It's whatever you're doing. If you're doing international expansion again, 
like I think biggest like or the most common failure entrepreneurs do is that they underestimate the amount of time it's going to take to conquer a new market or even get a like a foot foothold of a new market plus you know building a team finding great people to work with you know all these kind of things they're going to take a lot of time also finding a product to market fit is going to take a long time the second part I, I think like a good tip is that failure is not really a failure it's in learning it's an experiment and personally this was hardest for me because i'm for me i'm always trying to like make things as efficiently as perfectly as possible and that was something that was very hard for me was was to kind of accept that i failed but you know was was being an entrepreneur for years you you know you get to you get used to that feeling a lot so it's just coming back to that and thinking like okay what can i do better next time but you never want to go into a mode where you're afraid to do things because of a failure and that's always a scary place to be at so sometimes you if i start to notice myself being scared of innovating then i usually you know i, I that's the moment i usually realize it's time for a you know a quick holiday or a longer <laughs> weekend or something like that that's a good tip yeah or then i go to sauna and i'm back to normal <laughs> and and third third part is something that i think sometimes is seeing a little bit um not maybe arrogant but but a little bit frustrating for many of the kind of more established companies and more established executives is that a lot of the entrepreneurs when you are a kind of a new entrepreneur and a founder you got to hustle and you got to hustle really uh, a lot so i've been to many expos just talking to as many people as possible just trying to be as positive as possible you know giving cars finding opportunities whatever and that is something that you have to do you know you have to try more than everyone else in your industry you know you haven't grown yet you don't have that economics of scale yet so you have to find a way to achieve it somehow and that's like a like my third tip to everyone is that like you got to hustle and you know do the hard work Timo, thank you so so much for chatting with me today. I think um, it's been really enlightening and some really useful tips for our entrepreneurs out there. And, and thank you for joining me for our second episode. If you have any questions or topics you want to hear more about, tweet us at App Exchange. I will be back soon with some more insights and interviews from some great founders. So make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>